Welcome to another exciting episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. I'm Mr. Hare. I'm your host. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Mr. Moreland and Mr. Lumpkin. How are you folks doing today, Mr. Lumpkin? What's new with you this week? For this week, well, I'm getting my students to actually start doing podcasts. Now. Wait, they're going to be doing a they're podcast. They're going to be doing podcasts too. I know that you've got your students been doing it now for what, probably two, three weeks. This we have we actually are. Uh, they recorded and uploaded week three on Wednesday, which would have been nine eighteen, and now they're going to have this script for their week four, which is going to be nine twenty. So we're already rolling. We've got four episodes in. I have been listening every week. I've heard some great stuff. Again, and I say this every time I listen to podcasts, to the one guy who was eating Doritos, <laughs> I heard when you spit the Doritos onto the mic. So that being said, uh, no, I'm very excited about this, Mr. Lumpkin. We talked about it off the air. I am, I want to listen to some of these podcasts. I'm the, very excited. I think we got two of them pretty much up up and running right now. They got to get the editing done, but we're looking at Monday, and I'm we're going to have a lot of them coming out. They're all picking uh, planets that they want to research for. They've gone through and done some research, and they're going to be doing their own podcast, kind of going off that, just to give them kind of a baseline see how it feels really be in front of a mic and see how good it feels to just be able to talk and then we're going to work from there just kind of giving showing the ropes Excellent. i know there's a handful listening right now i i hope they're excited to see what else i got planned for them coming up that's exciting maybe we can even uh maybe we can interview a student see what that's going to be like mr morland how about you how is, has this this week been going for you pretty good so far i've successfully participated in every spirit week uh dress up thing we've had to do i mean we made our own tie-dye t-shirts in anime club on yes Monday, we did remember and those came out really great they um, were phenomenal mine is i still have mine it's sitting on my chair in terms of the class we're going to be making videos using we video it's a very you know easy user-friendly website to use to make videos next uh week is the last week of unit one for us so kind of the final unit assessment and then following that my students are going to be picking their own novels from the list of 100 novels that you're supposed to read before college you know, whether they go to college or not, it's always great to recreate literature. And they're each going to pick their own book. They're going to present the book to their classmates. And that way they get at least 30 of the 100 books down, you know, a summary at least. And I'm going to give them the option to make a podcast because I want them to be able to have choices this semester. So some of them hopefully will make that decision and we can share those podcasts with you guys too. I'm very excited about that. I know I that. I'm not sure if that list has changed in the past few years. It has, yeah. I figured so. So I, we might have to check. You might have to bring that list in and at least let me know some of the highlights of what the, what your students have chosen. So I know last week we had some poll results. Well, this week we have a brand new poll for you. And I'm going to turn it over to our uh, Twitter expert, Mr. Moreland, who put our new poll up. Tell us what you got and what are we uh, voting on this week, Mr. Moreland? All right. Well, <clears throat> if you guys are familiar with the class walls the senior class junior class sophomore and freshman which are phenomenal this year by the way to the, to the class that did the led lights i love it yes and that is where our poll is going to lead us so we're going to ask who your favorite disney princess from the past 10 years is we only have four people we can put on the poll according to twitter so we unfortunately could not put all the classics you know snow white sleeping beauty cinderella uh, so we just picked the four from the past 10 years. So you can vote for Tiana, and she's from Princess and the Frog. Okay. You can vote for Rapunzel from Twisted, I think was the name of that. That's movie, correct. Wasn't it? And then you can vote for Merida from Brave. Okay. Or you can vote for Moana from 
Moana. Well, that's amazing. This is a great poll. It is on Twitter right now. So you can follow us at PWUT Podcast, or as Mr. Lumpkin likes to call it, P-What? P-What Podcast. You can go ahead and contact us there. And the hashtag is hashtag practice what you teach. So go ahead and check us out there and make sure you tell us who you voted for in our poll. Now, we're going to go right into our layout of topics. We're going to recount the last episode, which would have been episode four. We're then going to talk about some club news. We have new club news to share with you all. And then we're going to recap the fourth week that just passed. After that, we're going to go into school news. So we've got our third football game, which is homecoming. We're going to talk about that and the opponent and then the rest of the sporting events for the week. After that, we're going to go right into some uh, interesting news stories that we have. So let's start out with our last week uh, in physics. We uh, just got done with waves. I like to separate everything out. We do waves. And now we went right into optics with the study of light. Very excited for what we're working on. We just finished up electromagnetic waves. And then tomorrow, I'm not really going to do too, too much because I'm losing a fourth block with obviously the pep rally. So with you guys, how was your last week? How, how's everything going? What's going on in your class, Mr. Moreland? Well, this week we're looking at what we just finished reading, the story, There Will Come Soft Rains by Ray Bradbury. Sounds exciting. And the students will have a, an assessment tomorrow on the things we've talked about for the past four weeks. It's going to be a different kind of assessment than what we typically give. I told them that multiple choice is going to be very rare in my class this, this year because we're trying to get them to think more and write out what they learned. And it's very interesting because uh, the students are a little bit apprehensive about it. I think they like, you know, the expectations of, you know, the multiple choice test, that kind of thing. But I think they're actually going to learn more and be able to retain more by writing out, you know, the different things that we're talking about instead of just choosing a A, B, C or D choice. Excellent. So, do you have them do any quick practice like before that test to prepare them? Like are you having to write soft essays or? Yes. Yeah, so they every student in the class has created a website. Wow, that's really and impressive. They post their summary and their analysis of all the stories we've read, all the poems we've read, uh, things like that on the website directly. And I told them that they have to have on the website because it's not on the website. I don't know it exists. That's true. So that's how I gray was with, is with the website, which I need to catch up on, too, by the way. Excellent. Mr. Lumpkin, tell me, how's this past week been going? What are your students learning and what are they doing next? Well, I'm glad you brought up electromagnetic radiation because I spent a little bit deciding whether or not I was going to spend a day talking about that recently because we're rolling through astronomy right now. Uh, this past week, I think we had just finished up talking about stars and talking about looking at electromagnetic radiation through radio waves and visible light to be able to examine space and see other things like how we map out the universe and everything. Of course. So we've been talking about planets. We've talked about planetary motion for rotations or and if time is even really a real thing, more or less, or at least talking about how we experience time here down on Earth. Um, but it's been a whole lot about planets, talking about our own nice little place in the solar system in the Milky Way and kind of moving on through that to get to the point where we start talking about how Earth, the moon, and everything else form our solar system, which is what we're looking forward to here real soon. That's excellent. And as someone who's been in that wheelhouse before, did you go deep into the electromagnetic spectrum? Did you get into gamma rays? Did you make the Hulk, Mr. Lumpkin? I told him to go talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've spent time with students before explaining, going hulking out and getting into gamma radiation and everything else. And then they look at me like I've uh, got three heads, which I probably would, if not gamma radiation. If that's the way that works. That is not how that works. But I did tell my students, <laughs> so one asked me, so we can make the Hulk? I said, no, 
you'd probably get cancer. Mm. And that was kind of the end of the conversation from there. Now, with that being said, I want to uh, talk about some club news. Uh, guys, I know we've got Anime Club, Game Club, and the Step Team. Any news on the Anime Club front? I mean, we had our first consistent, like, real sit-down meeting. Watch some actual anime. We're getting back into uh, Slam Dunk, right? I think yes. Slam Dunk is a great choice, by the way. We only have a few episodes left of the dub. The subbed version of the uh, show has a little bit more episodes. We'll see if we want to get into those or not. And for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, dubbed means English voices over the animation. Subbed is the original Japanese audio with you know, subtitles on. Absolutely. And we're also planning some fundraisers. Uh, we're looking at the fundraising calendar right now. We're going to try to plan some things. I think Chipotle was, was Chipotle thrown was around. So we'll definitely up. let everybody know when that date is, if it's, mm -hmm. if it's going to be. Other restaurants as well, you know, like uh, Krispy Kreme. We'll see what uh, is available, what we're, what we're allowed to do and, and what's feasible. And hopefully get some money raised up so we can see about going to those anime conventions with anime clubs. So if, if you want to join the club, if, if that sounds like something you want to get involved with, you know, we're always looking for new members and our meetings are on. Monday is at 2.30 and room, what, 2.50? We're here. We're accepting we love to have you here to show you some anime and have some fun absolutely it's always a good time at the anime club now tell me game club uh mr lumpkin this has been your baby mr moreland i know you've been helping him out with it i stopped in from time to time i know we had a meeting i want to say this was wednesday mm -hmm. so that would have been 9 18. what's on the uh, agenda on the horizon for game club i wouldn't call it my baby it's definitely mr more of mr moreland's than mine but i believe that we have shared custody well, at this point the baby was was uh Video game born club. by Dalton. If you guys oh, remember, true. he's graduated last year. He did. I do remember him fondly. We but have yes. to share this with them. We uh, <laughs> we were asked. I was asked originally, and I asked Mr. Lumpkin to help us out. We decided to tag team with Anime and Video Game Club, so we could actually take a break occasionally if we needed to. Mm -hmm. But uh, Game Club is actually working on a commercial right now to, to broadcast really? out yes, for to try to you know attract new members. I mean, it seems to be you know relatively male, you know, centered right now, but you it know, does seem anybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Everyone is welcome. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Last week, uh, brought in the PlayStation three to play some fighting games that I have. And I might do the same thing again, uh, next Wednesday, cause it seemed to be pretty popular. Dungeons and Dragons is getting kind of complicated, but, uh, if you want to join that game as well, it's more than just video games. It's, it's tabletop games. If you have a game you want to bring in that you're interested in, I know, uh, what is it, Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk, which is, would be really awesome if I we could get someone that would actually want to DM it. I know that people bring in Magic the Gathering. We've had Yu-Gi-Oh! for different card mm -hmm. games. Absolutely. We've looked at different uh, board games before with Dungeons & Dragons board game, along with, I believe, Boss Dungeon and other board games we've had before. And uh, the five-minute dungeon, I remember. The five-minute dungeon, which was really fun. <clears throat> uh, we've also looked at doing other more like wargaming stuff because I'm a big nerd and I bring in miniatures for people to paint and work with occasionally with Warhammer and other stuff like that. Um, but I'd like to play that five minute dungeon again. Oh, that was a lot fun. of fun. Yeah. And Mr. Hare brought his switch. I did. I've recently purchased a switch uh, and we have unlocked almost all the characters. We are one away from unlocking my favorite character, which is Toon Link. I know there are some other Toon Link fans here. But uh, I've been enjoying it. I've had a lot of help from the students. Uh, Mr. Moreland and I played a few games. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin and I are due to play games at yes. some point. I misspoke. I do actually have Yoshi. Just oh. just to share how the match went, Mr. Hare beat me twice in a row. 
And then I ended up beating him the third time, which really upset him. It did. I am a very <laughs> sore loser. I wanted to play some more. And Mr. Lump, excuse me, Mr. Moreland said, I think we've played enough. Yeah. So <laughs> he said he said two out of three. I said, We've already played three and you've already won two. I just had to gain some pride back. So. And he gained a lot of pride back. He beat me soundly with Kirby, who I have a soft spot for because he is one tough cream puff. So that being said, with the step team, we are fully in the swing of practicing. We have a lot of new members that I am very excited about seeing them get out there. It really does uh, do good for my soul because I, as a stepper, love to see people doing new things, creating new moves and being prepared for the next show. So we are going to be having practice on Friday, September 20th after school, and we will be having practice throughout the rest of the school year and at a minimum this semester. So if you're interested and want to come out, we welcome you. If you want to come out to our practices, they are open for people to watch and see if they're interested. And if you want to participate, there are more ways to participate than just stepping. We need people to run the music, run our lights, and just be able to help us be gophers and say, hey, I, I'm not the most coordinated, but I can get the song to play and stop at the right time. So we're looking for anyone who can help out the step team. So I want to talk about the sporting news. Again, everyone knows this is homecoming for the football team. That's going to be Friday the 20th. We're playing George Mason. That is a home game. We want everyone to come out and support for homecoming. But we've got a lot of other sports going on. On Monday, September 16th, golf, which was a varsity boys match, they played away at Osborne Park. And in volleyball, JV and varsity girls played Parkview. On Tuesday, golf had a varsity match, which was home at the Prince William Golf Course. They played George Mason and William Moreau. Volleyball, volleyball had a JV and a varsity girls match. They were away at George Mason. Wednesday, the 18th, golf had another varsity match, this time against Osborne and Stonewall Jackson. Those were both home. We also then had cross country, the boys and the girls. They were away at Brentsville. And, and I will tell you this for the Wednesday night, we had a lot of personal best set. So I'm really excited about our cross country team. So I want to shout out Miss Wenger on that. She's doing a great job coaching them. Thursday, the 19th, we have a golf, which is a boys varsity match. That's against Stonewall, Jackson, and Manassas, and Osborne. And then we've got volleyball JV. They are away at Central. Finally, Friday night, Friday night lights. There's going to be a varsity game. This is going to be George Mason. It's in Cougar Stadium. Everyone come out and support. Now, I want to go right into the interesting news of the week. So, guys, I, I have a couple of stories I want to talk about, one in particular. But I want to hear from you, Mr. Lumpkin. What do you have today for us? Well, I have something that could be... Eh, fairly mundane, or it could be terrifying. It really depends on which way you want to look at it. So this past, well, actually, I believe it was May, but I believe NPO, ScienceNews.org, is reporting on the Milky Way's supermassive black hole. So let me back up. Galaxy is a collection of stars. Absolutely. We happen to be living in the Milky Way, which Absolutely. is a spiral galaxy. And we're out on, like, I think it's the second arm? We are on one of the far-flung arms. So we are as far from the center of this galaxy as we are from one of our nearest galaxies. That's actually terrifying to think of. It is. But the uh, the... Inside of the, of the uh, galaxy, the, the spiral galaxies tend to have a supermassive black hole that ends up holding most of the galaxy together from its gravity and everything. That's how strong the gravity of black holes is. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Sagittarius A star, or A asterisk, or just Sagittarius A, uh, which is the supermassive black hole in the middle of the Milky Way galaxy, has suddenly shined its brightest. That's and very strange. By its brightest, I mean twice as bright as it has ever been recorded before. Um, given that we are still learning about black holes and what the infrared uh, light given off by them means and how they end up functioning, dissipating, and growing, it's still kind of a uh, 
let's say squishy science. Squishy. Where we're still kind of basing ourselves, or building on our understanding. I mean, it was only in April this year we first had our actual good pictures of black holes finally ever really taken. Uh, from this, those wonderful memes you probably remember back. I do remember with the orange <laughs> glow, and it looked like it was all being sucked into a vortex of nothingness. Oh, yes. But uh, it, it apparently went back down about to regular brightness after about two hours. So hopefully that means if it swallowed something, it, uh, it was just a burp. <laughs> and giving off that light from there, it's, it's good now. We hope. Well, one thing I want to say to that is uh, what we always – lose track of when we have these types of things happen is that that happened several million years ago True. and we're just now seeing it because light takes time to travel across the galaxy mm. but the fact that a, a black hole which again light does not escape from started emitting around it in its accretion disk a bunch of light means that something is happening mm. or happened millions of years ago so we will be keeping an eye on that as we do everything outside of the earth but mm -hmm. that being said we're going to make sure we find out what's going on here, because if that supermassive black hole, black hole gives off some light, we could be in for some interesting science. That's for sure. Mr. Mr. Moreland, I know you've got a good story on there. It's another video, I think, but I think we should talk about it anyway. What you got? Well, I was going to do the video, but I guess I'll do two stories, because the one's kind of short. So uh, in Russia, there was a kitten walking down the street, and it stopped right in front of a car's tire. Oh boy. The driver didn't realize the cat was there. So just, he started going. Luckily, a man jumped out of his car, grabbed the kitten, and saved it from death. Congratulations. And this is where again? In Russia. Russia. So the Russians love cats. You know, but you know, I, I thought it was a pretty good story. I like cats myself, so that's why I wanted to. That is a good that. story. I really like that a lot. I, I did see the video, and again, we'll have a link in the description for everyone. But the police officer jumped out. No, no, it's the, not a police officer. It's just a regular just guy. Just a civilian. Oh, yeah, a civilian scooped him up with one hand and protected him. So, But the police officer story that I have is based right here in the good old U.S. of A. in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, a Detroit police officer helped a homeless man shave, 62-year-old Stanley Nelson, uh, was trying to shave. He had received a bag of toiletries from a uh, charity, but he didn't have a sink or anything. So he was trying to shave. It was raining and he was trying to figure out how he could, you know, shave without a mirror or without a sink. And a police officer stopped and he said, excuse me. And uh, Mr. Nelson said, I'll leave, I'll leave. But the police officer says, no, you know, do you need some help shaving? And so he helped Mr. Nelson shave right there in the street. And, you know, somebody walking out of a baseball game happened to see it and took a picture and posted it on Facebook. And Mr. Nelson wanted to find the guy and express his gratitude. And they did an, they did an interview with him. And uh, I think that this is not only a good act of kindness from the police officer, but it's also a testament that homeless people are people too. I mean, you might see them on the street and walk by, but, you know, everybody has times in their life when they're down and out, you know, may not be as bad as, as other people, but, you know, you have to have compassion and kindness for the people that are suffering from, you know, whatever situation took them to that point, that moment, because just because they're homeless now doesn't mean that they're always going to be that way. They, they may come back up and rise again and, and get back on their feet. And if not, there's all the more reason to try to help them out because, you know, if we don't help out people who will, you know, 
You know, I I really think that's a great story. And I really think that we should always keep mindful of like, you never know what someone is going through and you never know what they're going to wind up in the end. Now, I found an interesting story. I had one story that I wanted to go over really quickly and then another story that's my main one. But as of right now, today, there are six named storms in the Atlantic Ocean. That is six tropical storms with a name on them swirling around in the Atlantic and the Eastern Pacific Basin. That ties a modern record. In 1974, there were six and they were in the Pacific. But as of right now, we have Hurricane, or excuse me, we have Hurricane Umberto, we have Hurricane Jerry, we have Tropical Storm Imelda, Tropical Storm Lorena, Hurricane Mario, and Tropical Storm Kiko, all running around right now, spinning, swirling around what looks like the Pacific coast of Mexico. It looks like the Gulf Coast of Texas and Louisiana, which are getting hit hard. I hope you guys are okay. Umberto is about, it looks like, 400 miles off the coast into the Atlantic Ocean and is hoping, hopefully heading further north and away from the states. And Jerry is on his way. So if you are out there, make sure you guys are stocked and ready to go. Be protected from these storms and always try to do what you can to stay safe. My other story is that we are getting very close to quantum computing. They are reporting on fizz.org that there are in a recent innovation where we are one, the quote is one step close, closer to future to quantum computers, physicists at Uppsala University in Sweden have identified how to distinguish between true and fake majorana states in one of the most commonly used experimental setups. What that basically means, I'm gonna break this down for you. You can create a state of zero energy where a superconductor, which is what you need to power a, a quantum computer, is not real. So sometimes the computer will read it and say, this is a fake thing and I won't be able to function with this. Well, they've now found a way to detect it when that's going to happen and we can eliminate it so that we can get to a very smooth quantum computer. I'm very excited. I can't wait for quantum computers. I hope that we all get quantum computers we carry around in our pockets. Because again, if you have an iPhone with a quantum computer in your pocket, that's going to be really amazing. So with all that said, I'm going to let you know right now, guys, we have an interview coming up with Mr. Forrest. I think you guys are going to love it. From there, we're going to go right to our burning question. So stay tuned and we're going to get right to that interview. And we're back and we are live with our amazing, our astonishing and our incredible assistant principal, Mr. Forrest. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Wow. Thank you very much for the invitation. Not a problem at all. We would like to ask you a couple of questions. We know you're busy, but we do want to get these questions from you. Sure. So the first question we always ask anyone is, where did you grow up? So I was uh, born in a small farming community in central North Carolina, Sanford, North Carolina. And when I was very young, probably about two to three years of age, my father, who was working for the textile mills, um, was relocated to Greenville, South Carolina. And that's where I spent my elementary and high school years was in Greenville, South Carolina. Excellent. Uh, really quickly, where did you go to school? So I went to school at a small private school. It was much smaller than Manassas Park High School. At the time and where we lived in South Carolina, the public schools were kind of in such bad shape that there were an awful lot of private schools. And uh, it was interesting because I eventually I landed in college in Pennsylvania. And when I went to college in Pennsylvania, a lot of my classmates in college found out I went to a private school. They kind of naturally assumed that was because I was from a wealthy family, which was not the case. But 
growing up in that area and time of South Carolina, uh, there was such a mistrust in the public schools that people just created these small little private schools. Um, curriculum was very different. I would say the biggest benefit is I'm not athletic very much, but I got to play a lot of sports because they wanted to have teams and they needed everybody they could on on athletic field. So, Absolutely. I remember one time we were having a conversation about uh, school uniforms, and I remember you saying that school uniforms are not always the solution. This was my first year teaching. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's amazing how sometimes where there are uniforms, and in certain situations it certainly fits, um, but it's easy that a lot of schools that have uniforms, how they can zero in on small details, and it becomes uh, majoring in the minor where what does your belt look like? Or, you know, do you have the right shirt? Is it bought from Land's Inn or whoever the official provider of the uniform is? Or, you know, is that really the appropriate shoe or shoe color? What if there's a little bit of two-tone in it? And it, it can quickly really bog down into you lose sight of the important thing about school and administrators, teachers spend so much more time trying to enforce a dress code than really taking care of students, honestly. Gotcha, I understand that. So what inspired you to go into education? So I kind of fell into education. So a um, little bit of a story there. So when I was in college, I, well, I love history and going into college, I decided I wanted to major in history, even though I knew at the time I did not have a clear cut job with that history major. Um, and so I really, freshman, sophomore year, considered teaching and had experience actually in camps and working with teenagers and so forth. But I really had a hard time when I was a sophomore in college because I felt I was more in love with history than I was necessarily teaching students. And I really didn't know if that would make me a very good teacher. And so I actually, after my sophomore year, my junior, senior year, um, I really concentrated more on business than anything because I thought I got to get a job. I'm, I'm engaged that summer of my senior year. I'm going to get, well, I was going to get married. You know, how am I going to provide for family? And I just didn't see really a clear path. And so out of high or out of college, my first job was sales and corporate sales and I hated it and I wasn't good at it and I was miserable and every day I watched the clock and it just seemed to drag. And it was really funny because where I was living at the time, my wife was a teacher and at her school, which was a K through 12 school, um, they suddenly had a history teacher resign at the beginning of the school year. And so her principal, uh, he, asked the faculty, he said, do you know someone who could teach history? And so my wife said, I think my husband can do it. And so he gave me a call and we talked for a while and he offered me the job and we talked and I said, I don't think I'm your best man. Like history, I have that down, you know, educational practices and theory and doing what's best for kids in the classroom. I can't say with hundred percent confidence that I can just walk in at the beginning of the year. That's two or three weeks already started and I can really do justice to these students. And so I told him no. And so he came back again and <laughs> tried to convince me and I told him no. And he came back the third time and I said, okay. Um, and, and 
it was the best thing I ever did. And, you know, the temptation is to look on that time or process of college where I couldn't really decide on what I wanted to do, or even my time in sales is a little bit of a failure, but I'm so glad I had that experience because it helped convince me I, I'm meant to be a teacher. I, I'm meant to work in education. So just going through that process really helped me find what, who I was really. Absolutely. That is an interesting story. I did not know you worked in sales before teaching. <clears throat> yes. Uh, yeah. It wasn't very good at it, but, sure, uh, sure. but it was a good experience. Absolutely. So you've been uh, in the education profession for many years. Uh, that's not to say you're right, old, but sure. to say you've been, you've had a lot of experience. What do you think the role of a school is? So that's, that's a really hard question. It, because I think you can take it in so many different levels. I think at the end of the day, any school should prepare their students for the next step of their life. They should prepare them to be able to move on and, and make those life decisions um, and put them in a better place where they can pursue their dreams. So, you know, at least in America, I mean, you start comparing how schools are different in other countries, but um, there are so many different types of schools, you know, the type of school I grew up in is completely different than Manassas Park High School, you know, but it did help prepare me, took me to the next step. You could argue how well it did, but I'm sure each of you, your schools, high schools looked very different than Manassas Park. Absolutely, and, certainly. Um, right. So, I mean, you know, you think about, just think about all the high schools there are in the United States. I mean, some focus on technology, some to focus on arts. You know, some are a military school, some are a parochial or religious school. Each one has a different niche and has a different role. But I think the ultimate outcome of each one is to prepare those students for the next step, to make them life ready, to make them ready to pursue other studies. And, you know, there's a lot of philosophical things we could say, you know, that every school should prepare lifelong learners. But but I think put our kids in a good place where they can become chase their dreams, they can become independent, and they can move on to the next important thing in their life. Excellent. And then we have one final question for you. Sure. What are three books that have influenced you that you would recommend to the student body? So I have a really hard time with, with these types of questions of picking like favorite movie, favorite book, but I can tell you three that influenced me and I'll kind of lump them in two different two different categories. So the first one, when I was kind of wrestling with what do I do, do I go into education or do I become a teacher? One was called Among School Children by um, Tracy Kidder, I believe is the last name. And it's really a story of this educator who almost is, is put it, thrown into a class and what she does to try to meet the needs of her students. And, and I think why, why I like that book, and it really is a story, is it talks about the struggles from a teacher side and also balancing home and school life and kind of the, the toll it took on her, but as well as she saw the need, she had some difficult kids, she had kids who had a lot of different challenges and how she met that. And that kind of like pull, helped pull me toward education. Um, and then the next two, I would say books, so I, I really got to a point where I had a class in high school. And, and if I go back to my high school experience, this is how small this school was that I went to. We had more, almost more of a homeschooling curriculum than we did on anything else. 
And so a lot of our class was almost like a felt like a one room schoolhouse where you had kids who worked into something like a Cougar Connects or our flip space instead of laptops. You had kids, you know, who were working through curriculum material on on their own. And one of the first real high school classes I had where it pulled ninth through 12th kids was a literature class. And it was someone who probably didn't know an awful lot about teaching, but they knew literature. And the two main books that we read that had no connection almost with each other uh, was Les Mis by Victor Hugo and um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe. And it was one of the first, it sounds weird, but this is one of the first real classes I felt that where we dove into content material that was much bigger than us, that embraced themes much larger than us, that we had a teacher who could facilitate great discussion. And it just felt like, to me, it opened up the world a little bit. Um, and again, when I got to college, I sometimes had a hard time deciding what major I wanted. Love history, love to read. You know, I thought about literature, thought about English, um, really because of that experience. And, you know, those are two books that I encourage my kids, my own personal children, you know, to read. And um, I, I love how it kind of opens. It's like the aperture on a camera. Just I felt it just opened my perception uh, on the world, those two books. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to jot these down. You will find these books in the show notes. I would like to thank Mr. Forrest for joining us. We're going to get back to our regularly scheduled program. And again, Mr. Forrest, once again, thanks for coming out today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we're back. That was a great interview with Mr. Forrest. And we're going to dive right into our burning question. This week, what event in the past do you wish you could have witnessed? Mr. Lumpkin, I know we have a lot of discussions about the past, being scientists and all. What would what event would you like to have witnessed? This one gave me trouble. And, and personally, it comes from, I guess, just a negative outlook on a lot of human past. Because a lot of the stuff that sticks in my mind, a lot of stuff that we teach in history class, I feel ends up being very negative because humans end up kind of going that route, right? Like even going back and I don't know, I'm saying that coming from my own personal standpoint. If I was to go back into our past and I was to try and see one thing, I have, let me, let's clarify. One thing before humans or does it have to be during humans? Event in the past. Okay. So we're keeping it open. I like that. I, I think personally, I would love to go into the past. And if I was to see one thing, it would just be seeing the actual process that made life. I, I, that is one question that I feel that will never properly be answered by science. We can have these different studies and we understand primordial soup theory. We understand how macromolecules, whether it be hydrocarbons and everything else, can combine in different ways. And, and this is events probably spanned over what? We'd have to say hundreds of millions of years. Hundreds of, of millions at the least. At uh, the, if we say the Earth is 4.5 billion and life appeared on Earth at around 2 billion, we're talking a long stretch of time here. But understanding what that process is and being able to see it. I know that's not a very uh, attractive answer to an event. I think it's past, a great answer. But it, it's, yeah. it's something that's a burning question that, that bothers me. Understanding 
the actual process of creative life and understanding a little bit more about the the point of life and survival i feel like that would settle a lot of stuff with me personally as far as like seeing my place in the universe that it got weird if i was to go though instead and go with actual people and go with understanding stuff i'd still have to go with scientific answers so you have to um, have to apologize we will indulge you carry on how many different human species were there when hopius homo sapiens were first developing 20, 25? Uh, that's a good question. I think the <laughs> current idea is that there were 20 that way that classified in that way. And then there were another five that were tangential that would be considered quote unquote missing links. I would love to see just or love to observe just the process of, and I guess I'm, oh wow, I'm being really geek with my scientists. Seeing the process that changes from being well, just what agricultural society and like seeing how that develops and seeing just like that first movement away and and i'm sure it was one that was not an event it probably took a long, a long period of time absolutely i what, think that's what a great would you answer. do with that information and that's that's outside the scope of the question because <laughs> all we're doing is witnessing it so mr mr moreland again another gentleman i speak to a lot about history we have a lot of really good conversations about the past the present and into the future what's an event in the past that you would have liked you that you would have been able to witness um, I thought about this question a lot and I thought about, you know, all the cliche answers you might get and, you know, even the ones that are, you know, unexpected or, you know, to character like Mr. Lumpkin's question. I don't think I would even choose to do that if I had the option mm -hmm. just because I think it would taint my personality and my, my, who I am. I think that we're born in the time we're born in for a reason and, if you go back in time and look at the past, it tarnishes maybe your viewpoint of a certain person that you, you know, might have had respect for. And you go back in the past and witness what really happened. Maybe you don't have as much respect for that person. I think that, you know, like the old, the age old uh, question, would you go back in time and kill Hitler if you could? Sure. I and I that think that even if you were to do that, you may not avoid the things that happened. Of course, that's a possibility. There would have been somebody else that would have rose up in his place and maybe would have done the same thing. Maybe it would have been worse. Who knows? Who knows? So, but then the question becomes, is there anything you would have liked to have witnessed that you have not witnessed? Anything in your lifetime, anything that has occurred that you've heard about? Is there anything, any event that you would like to have witnessed? No, I think I'm content. And the, and the reason is because if you dwell too much on the past, you lose sight of, of what's to come. Absolutely. And I think that instead of focusing on the, on the past, we should focus on making things better for the future. And that's not always going to be the same answer for the same, you know, depends on the person. It's, it's subjective. What you may consider to be a better plan or a better way to go may not be what I consider to be the same or, you know, even Mr. Lumpkin or whoever. And I think that by looking at the past, we're looking at things we, hate, we can't do anything about. We can't change what happened in the past. Yes, you can witness it. Yes, you can learn from it. But at the same time, let me talk with the kids today. Their cell phones, like we wouldn't have imagined stuff like that back when we were kids. Not at all. We're not no. even that old. No. The cell phones that we would consider to be cell phones are the flip phones. Like, remember the Razor? Yep. I, I remember Razor the Razor. I, I was going to say an old Motorola that didn't even flip. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> and so, like, we can't even imagine, you know, what the future holds for us and we're, you know we're, we're living right now so to go back in the past and see things that 
you know, it's a different perspective. It's a different society. It's a different world than, than what we, than what we have right now. And, and so I just don't think it would be, I mean, I, I get my vision of the past and my insight into what happened in the past from books and from, you know, old movies and old TV shows and old, old music, old documents, hmm. old recordings. I mean, so I don't, I don't need to go to the past because it's been recorded. And I feel like if I were to go back to the past and find that some of those recordings were not the whole truth, it would cause me to question things that either already do question or don't need to question because it's not relevant to the future. I believe that would be what my kids would call the big brain answer. Well, <laughs> I have to, I have to really keep up with it. you. So, I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> no, that's, I, I think that actually goes a bit further, even thinking of it. Although now I'm, I might just say, I'd, I'd like to see one of my favorite bands back in the day, but <laughs> well, I, I, I never got a chance to see David Bowie in concert, but I, I still wouldn't do that just because maybe there's oh, a reason yeah. I didn't. That would, that would probably ruin my perspective of what, they could be now or what they should be or mm. if i'm looking at even some of my parents seeing like big concerts they can never really be happy if i can if i can segue I'm, i met uh i went to a concert one time when i was younger and i actually got to go backstage and meet the artist that i saw on stage i'm not gonna say his name because you know whatever but you know i expected you know to have like this guy be like yeah you know nice to meet you i'm you know yeah good doing great he's human but he's a human being mm -hmm. He was so tired after the concert, he just sat in the chair and like he didn't, he didn't even really <laughs> process you were there. And so you know. I talked to the drummer in the band and I was like, okay, you know, so I got to know him. And it was, it's interesting because when you meet your heroes, when you see the things that you wish you could see, it may be underwhelming. And that's why I don't really want to go back in the past. I don't need to do that. I don't need to go see things that have already happened. I want to see what's next. So. I guess you could put that towards remix of video games too, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's an excellent answer. It's very nuanced yeah. and it's very thoughtful. I'm always appreciative when you guys have these great answers. Uh, for me, I I haven't put as much thought into this as you guys have. Um, I guess because my answer isn't really all that complex. Uh, I came to teaching by accident. So for me, a lot of it has been philosophical questions of am I doing a good job? Am I the right person for this? You know, am I, am I getting to all of my students the right way at the right time and the way that they need me? And for me, I would want to go back in time and, and, and I've said this before, uh, those of you who've known me my very first year here, I read the announcements during Black History Month. One of the things I would want to go back to is to see Dr. Edward Bouchette. So Dr. Edward Bouchette is the first African-American to be awarded a PhD in physics. And this was in 1876. So this is in a time where there weren't many African-Americans in school. There weren't many African-Americans in college. There weren't many African-Americans in grad school. And there weren't many African-Americans at Yale University. So he was the sixth American to receive a PhD in physics. And he was just an all around incredible human being. Uh, he then after that, he went to Cheney University, which is an HBCU in Philadelphia. And he taught there for 26 years. And the reason why I would just want to observe his life, I would want to see from one of the earliest African-American physics teachers that ever lived, at least in America. For me, that would be just for nothing more. It would indulge my inspiration. I would see just 
how he was able to speak to students for 26 years, just that longevity of what he did, the timeliness of what he did. There's a small portion of me that really is exciting because he also taught at St. Paul's College, which was in Lawrenceville, Virginia, which is nearby to where my wife grew up. And it was another HBCU that has unfortunately recently closed. But the option, if I could go anywhere in time, sitting down and watching him become the teacher that he became, to watch that reach to students, to help them as best he can, that would be an inspiration for me personally. Uh, that would be something that I would enjoy. That would be something that would inspire me, I hope, to become a better teacher, to see that like, wow, he did this for so long. And that was something that was his passion. So that for me would be, the, what that would be the event I would like to sit down and, and see straight on. Like I said, I, I didn't really think about it too much. And it's a, it's a really, compared to the two answers I heard from my co-hosts, it's a very pedestrian answer. Oh, no, I think it's great. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it makes to something that you are interested in. And I think it would be, basically, if I were you, instead of, instead of thinking about that, look at what he's written. Look at some documents and things that he could, and I'm sure you probably have already. I, have, something. I read one. I actually read his thesis. Yes, because so I was very I mean, impressed by it. Let me put it this way that's where you're going to find the stuff he wants you to see. Absolutely. If you, if you got to go back in time to see him, he probably like, you know, be like, Oh, I had a bad day today. <laughs> sure. Can we carry some my challenge? Can you stay for the next now? day? Cause like, I mean, as teachers, that's what we do. Right. We, yeah. we critique ourselves and we, you know, I didn't do very well with this lesson. So I'll try it again next time. Like, you know, we're very fortunate here at Manassas park high school. Where we can do, you know, we can change next semester and, and try new things. But, yeah, we always want to show the good things that, that we're proud of. So that might be the best way to see it. And if you could go back in, in time and see that kind of, that might be a case where the the view of him in his element, even if it's not necessarily what you would expect, may give you insight about his hum, his human characteristics as well. You know? I think you're right. And I will, I have read, like I said, I read his doctoral <clears throat> thesis, uh, which was on the, uh, measuring and calculating of index of indices of refraction, mm -hmm. which is a very technical thing of saying he uh, recorded how light is manipulated by lenses and such. But uh, I would like to read more. I haven't found more other than his one thesis that he wrote, which again was to get his PhD, but I would love to read more about him. I, I, I've always found him incredibly fascinating. And then, uh, you know, I, I have a picture here. I'll, I'll link to his biology page or his biography oh, page. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture of him where he's just, he's clearly a dapper young man. And it's just, he's always been an inspiration to me personally. That being said, I want to go ahead and jump right into our final thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, is there anything that you want to put out to our students, any calls to action uh, that aside from our usual one of, please give us feedback, uh, anything that makes the show better. Mr. Lumpkin, I want to start with you. Anything you want to point out to our students? Well, the only thing I wish I could have been able to point out last week was that the family market was happening right now. And I think that's what I'm going to go help support right after this. Absolutely. <laughs> and being able to go out and help support the community. Like that's, that's the best thing I can ask for. Like last week I was hoping that everyone's okay and I'm still right there. It's, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. And I, I, I just want to know that we care about you guys and we're out here for you. All right, Mr. Moreland, uh, same deal. Anything you want to share with the student body? Anything you want to call them to action today? Uh, I guess kind of piggyback on what we were talking about with the, with the, events from the past and things like that. Mm. I mean, it's, it's important to learn from the past, but I think just to tell the students, if you didn't have success last year with a class or with a, you know, 
club or whatever, like if, if you had problems with a, a student or something like that, don't hold that against yourself. Don't hold that against your classmates, your peers. Find ways to move on and, and make the future better than the past. Because there's always this talk of, we're talking about dystopias in, the, in our class, you know, where the, the world's just terrible. That can happen, but it won't happen if we actually do something about it. If we try to make things better rather than worse, then that's the best thing we could do to, to prevent, you know, negative things from happening is to focus on what's the things we can do to fix the problems we have. How can we get better? How can we do better in school? How can we get through this year with, you know, better grades than we had last year? And that's, that's what I think everybody should do. I mean, how do, how do we teach better? How do we learn better? How do we, you know, support each other and participate in things that maybe we didn't think to do last year. You want to join a sport, join it. You want to join a club, join it. Don't think you have a place to be. Well, anime club game clubs open. I'm sure the other clubs will be glad to have you. Mm -hmm. Just take a chance, take a, take a risk and, and, and try to make your life better and try to make yourself happier. Try to make your classmates happier because there's enough people out there that are, you know, focusing on the negative. I think we should focus more on, on doing things better. So hundred percent agree. Becoming positive, more positive, more constructive people instead of breaking people down and mm -hmm. breaking ourselves down more often than not. I think that's a great sentiment. You know, a lot of times, like you say, we talk about these dystopian things because they're interesting as opposed to just looking at the good things we have and the better things we can create. Uh, for me, the call to action that I'd like to do today is reach out to somebody you haven't spoken to in a while, someone that you're wondering about or someone that's been on your mind. Just go and reach out to them. In our interconnected world, we're always able to just say, hey, how are you? It doesn't have to be a long conversation. It doesn't even have to be a conversation. You can just send them a quick message. Hey, I'm thinking about you. And keep it going from there. So with all that being said, we're looking for your feedback. You can email us. You can send us to our Twitter account. That's at PWUT Podcast, or as Mr. Lumpkin likes to call it, P what? At P what Podcast. We're going to have a poll that's going to be up for the next few days. We'll give you the results in episode six want to come to us directly to slip a note under the door we will do anything for our students to make the show better so once again we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast and as always good night and good luck